welcome to episode seven of Dorks with Forks. My name is Lauren, and I am here with my two kids, Jack and Alex. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Alex? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. All right. Awesome. That is great. I am very pleased to announce our next guest. My dearest friend, Carly, is here. Welcome, Carly, to Dorks with Forks. Thank you. It is, I cannot even describe how much of an honor it is to be here. I am extremely excited. Awesome. We, we are honored that you are honored. We, we are very excited for episode seven because we're going to talk about a really fun food that we all love. It doesn't have lactose in it. So like Jack can eat all of it <laughs> if he wants all of to. It. <laughs> but before we talk about that, there are some questions, um, as you know, that I ask uh, our guests for the first couple minutes of the show. So if you're ready, I'll get started. I am ready. Okay. And just so the listeners know, I did not give Carly advance notice to the questions I'm asking her. Today. Nope. I am flying blind. Yes. All right. So number one, what is your favorite food sound? Favorite food sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we're talking about guacamole today, but I feel like one of my favorite food sounds is the crunch of a chip. Mm -hmm. It And yet that can get real annoying when <laughs> it's, I remember before the pandemic, when I was working in an office, if someone was eating really loudly in like a conference room or something it was like crunching on chips it was one of the most annoying sounds that you could hear whereas uh just to crunch into a chip when it's just you and you're enjoying it is like it's kind of a satisfying sound yeah oh, i i think you're right because i think after the initial crunch and then it just turns into a chewing you can be like okay if you're not the chewer you're like you can stop that now yes it's like you're chewing you're eating too loudly yes <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to, I want to say my favorite food sound if I, if, if I'm, of course, honest. please. Um, I think my favorite food sound is the, I wouldn't really say this is the food, but it's a, it has, yeah. When you open a soda can or mm -hmm. a, a beer can, or a seltzer can, a seltzer can. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The reason it's my favorite is probably because I don't know, you know, what's coming you know you know that like what you're gonna get tastes good and if you never had it before you know that what you're gonna get is a surprise so there you go it's a very crisp sound yes you know the opening of something that's carbonated it can make you really thirsty i i love the chip sound also side note before i tell you what my favorite is did you ever notice that when you're in a quiet space and you're the one opening the bag of candy or the chips, it's like the loud, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the loudest noise. And then, and then you like go to eat the chip and all you can hear is yourself chewing. You're like, I'm pretty sure it's just as loud in everyone else's ear than it is in my own head as I'm eating this chip because it's so quiet. It's I have, funny. yes, it's, it is. You're just like. Everyone can hear this. It's amplified times 10. And again, again, in the office, I was like, yeah, everyone can. <laughs> and you need to yeah. stop 
opening and eating those <laughs> chips, unless you're going to share, in which case it's all right. Right. Like you can read their mind and be like, yes, I can hear all of that crunching. Um, you are right to be self-conscious about it. <laughs> um, yes. I, and I love, I love the opening of the drink. My favorite food sound is when you're, um, you ha- you're getting ready to like pan fry something or you're just going to saute something and the, the pan is nice and hot and you've already put your oil on there and then you add the vegetables. Um, I'm not talking about like a deep fry sound. Like that's different. Like just like that kind of noise of when the, veg- the, when the veggies hit the pan. That's like one of my favorite noises. That's, That's a, good a good sound. One. That one makes you hungry too. For sure. Because like, you know, you're like, ooh, I'm going to smell it cooking soon. If it's like onions or something, especially, that's a, yeah. that's a good cooking sound and smell. Onions frying. All right. That was, uh, that was great. Number one, was a, that was a good one. All right. Number two, we've, we've asked this before. If you could choose a like celebrity or well-known chef to cook for you, who would it be? You have asked this before, and I should have prepared my answer, but I didn't. So I am really flying blind. So a well-known chef or celebrity, does it matter if, can, can they be someone who's dead or alive? Does it matter? Can I, like, since it's a fictitious situation anyway, I can pick whoever? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I'd pick Anthony Bourdain, even though he made his disdain for vegetarians pretty clear um, in like every episode. Not if you were if you if you were from a culture where the vegetarianism was part of the culture he respected that but otherwise he he made a lot of fun of vegetarians but i still loved him and loved his show and i feel like he'd he'd certainly be fun to hang out with while cooking and eating a meal so for sure he'd be my he'd be my choice i think he'd have interesting stories i agree that's a good one okay my third question is not really about food um but I think it's important um, for people to know our history. And that is that we do a couple's costume for Halloween every year. Um, And I think we would have started the trend, not the trend. We would have started the tradition a few years ago. Um, But what happens, sadly, as you get older, not as many people have Halloween parties as they should so we really didn't have, lately, I feel like in the last decade, our opportunities to dress up for Halloween have not been that abundant. So, uh, but we have done a few couples costume. Um, couples costumes, we did Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins. I wish I could insert a picture here, but- I feel like we, we need visuals <laughs> for this. <laughs> well- Let's just say if you're friends with us, you're lucky enough to have seen the visuals. Yes, um, true. We've also done the, what was it? The cat emojis. That was our first one. No, the, the- dancing girls emojis. Oh, yeah, but they had, back in the day, they had weird, the, the honestly, if, depending on what phone you had, they looked like either like bunny ears or cat ears or like sticks on a headband so you recreated those headbands and did a phenomenal job of it by the way and then we went to a party where no one had an iphone and we had to explain what we were <laughs> what a bummer for them <laughs> it was really it almost made it better actually because we were just like don't you see what we are we stood in the pose and yeah nobody got yeah. it until we showed them a picture yeah that was fun um and then last year we were wham we were George Michael and Andrew. I always forget his last name. 
I do too. And Josh gets mad at me, but yes, we were wham. Mm -hmm. And that, that was pretty great. That was so much fun. Um, the you're probably wondering what the question is. Um, and I just want to say, how do you feel about always playing um, the, the Danny DeVito of, <laughs> of the couple's costumes? I would say it's the hand that you're dealt when you are five foot two and your couple's costume buddy is five foot ten. Yes. Nine, ten. Yeah. Five foot wait, ten. You're, wait, you're five foot two? Oh my God, I'm tiny. Yeah, this is why. I'm the, like an inch shorter than you. What? Not for long, Alex. You will, you will surpass me <laughs> very soon. <laughs> so that's part of what makes our couple's costumes so great, I would argue, is that we took the fact that a, we're super good friends, and B, we've got this height difference and said, all right, I mean, our list is long. It is long. I have it in my phone. It's, we've got enough couples costumes to last us several decades. So yeah. I have to say, I don't mind at all being the, the shorter, <laughs> getting the short end of the stick in the couples costume. And Literally. in fact, when we dressed up as Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, and I tried to, my hair was longer than, I'm trying to like shove it under the bald cap wig that I got. And Lauren's helping me with makeup and stuff. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I wish I looked more like Danny DeVito. <laughs> and Lauren was like, no one has ever said that before. No one. Why? It's never been said. No one's ever said. That was the first time anyone has said, why don't I look more like Danny DeVito? And yeah. we that laughed. That night, it was said. It was said for <laughs> the first time ever. It. That was the <laughs> other thing. I was like... Why? Why don't I look more like Danny? I felt like I was letting us down, but I, I don't no. think there was a letdown. It was a pretty, pretty successful couple's costume. That was, I, I honestly think, like I had a headache from laughing so hard. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to remember a time where I laughed that hard. Just looking that at that long. <laughs> yeah, like I would, I would like look at you and I would start laughing and then I would see myself in the mirror and like there was just no place I could look where I wasn't like, we look completely ridiculous. And it was, but in like a wonderful, wonderful way. Listeners, you need to know that we bought thrift store khaki pants with pleated fronts because <laughs> twins came out in the eighties for those of you who are too young to know that. Mm -hmm. um, the Lauren found some- the 1980s. Wait, what was the Really, question? really Jack Taylor? He said the 1880s or the, oh, the 1980s. I think, pads. Jack, I actually, I think it Say was- Say it to Arnold's 70s. face. I think it was the 1780s. <laughs> the 1980s, young listeners. Um, and we had these awesome, uh, awful printed shirts that, now I shouldn't say awful, because Lauren found these shirts at Old Navy. We couldn't mm -hmm. replicate the exact shirts, but we found shirts with a loud print. Lauren saw someone out in public wearing that shirt maybe nine months after that Halloween and was pretty great to hear about that story. Sure Lauren did. had a wig mm -hmm. and she blacked out her front teeth. Yeah, to make <laughs> it look the like there was gap. a big, yeah, I had the tooth gap. I had the bald wig. Uh, yeah, we were we were pretty committed. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Lauren also was wearing a muscle suit I was. under her loud print <laughs> shirt to really get that full Arnie effect. And I I think we nailed it, man. It was yeah. It was a pretty successful successful night. Right, so my last question, again, not about food, but I would like to know: Can you hit the brown note? Well, if we're talking specifically about the brown note in the crash test dummy song <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> not super well. Listen to Jack. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good. So I can do it an octave higher. And then I'm going to try and drop it down. <laughs> tough. <laughs> That's the best I can do, and it ain't real good. That's a tough one. I kind of got it. No, you're still too high. I think I can do it, guys. You can only do low do it. I play a low brass instrument, so like. All right, hold on. I gotta. Yeah, but that's a, you're a, that's a low brass instrument. Your voice is not that. Yeah. I need a sip of water, okay, and I'm gonna try. Okay. I just yeah, did it. I, I I did some vocal warm ups earlier. It didn't really help me at all. All right, let your mom that's have great. a moment. <laughs> okay, here's me. I'm gonna do it now. Ready? Mm. <laughs> no? No. Yes. No. I, yes, she did. You, All right, you one more are, time. You kids are tough critics. I think she nailed it. That wasn't that bad, Alex. <laughs> All right, one more time. <laughs> For all our listeners, I really do hope this is not truly the brown note. Because I to put in a warning. <laughs> like, yes, warning. We're about to try I mean, this. Try the brown. Perhaps, note. perhaps oh, I should. Maybe I should have said this at the beginning. For those of you who don't know what the brown note is, it is a note um, it, that hits an in, infos. I'm sorry. Wait, let me try that again. It is a note that hits the infrasonic frequency that causes human beings to lose their bowels. What? Yeah, not, there's not like lose them like your intestines are on the floor, but like you would, you know, poop. Poop your pants. But I thought I heard, I thought the Mythbusters tried to do this on a show and it was a myth. Like they uh... played really low note frequencies while wearing adult diapers. It's actually a really funny show. Um, yeah, and I, I think they busted that myth. It's time to talk about what we came to talk about and that is the brown note <laughs> the green note guacamole guacamole carly's here because she shares a deep respect and love for guacamole and we want to talk about that so carly why don't you talk about the first time that you and guacamole met Okay. The first time I met guacamole, I saw it from afar. <laughs> and it's not, this isn't a love at first sight story with me and guac um, because I was, I want to say about 10 years old and I was with my mom and dad and my little brother at a restaurant, which some of you who are from the Philly slash Delco area may remember called Chi Chi's. Actually, some, I think it was a national chain. So more of you might remember Chi Chi's. It was a chain restaurant, uh, Mexican, like American Mexican food. And I was at this restaurant and I was a very picky eater. And so I think I got something like, they called it a Mexican pizza. So it was like a crispy tortilla with ground beef and cheddar cheese melted on it, which I thought was pretty great, but not even remotely authentic Mexican food. Also fried ice cream was phenomenal, but mm -hmm. I digress. I saw guacamole at someone else's table. And I think I asked my parents, what, what's that green stuff? And they were like, oh, that's guacamole. I was like, 
ugh. It just, to me, as a, again, a very picky eater and a kid, it looked gross. Like, why would I choose to eat something that color green and it looked like mushy? And I just was not impressed or interested. So it's hard for me to think about when was the first time I actually had guacamole and realized how amazing it was. And it might have been college. So that was a good decade later, a little less than a decade later. And I, it's, it's a lot like when you try to think with an old friend, like, well, when was, the, what was the first conversation we ever had? And you're like, I don't remember. It just feels like we've always been talking. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've just always been eating guacamole. Mm-hmm. But so I have that first memory of, I have no, I want no parts of that, but it's hard for me to remember when that thinking shifted and I just became a lover of guacamole. Yeah. I think uh, we, when I was growing up, we didn't really have guacamole like ever. And we almost never went to Chi-Chi's. I mean, we may have gone to Chi-Chi's, but I think, I don't think I ever went when I was, I don't know, maybe when I was a teenager, but anyway, I think that you were probably one of the first people that I knew that would regularly make guacamole, um, at least in a way that I enjoyed. I almost feel like you have to like warm up to it. Like initially I was just like, I don't know about that. And then I would like try it once to be like, okay, it's all right. And then I slowly kind of was like, this is amazing. And then I remember you making it um, and bringing it over one time and then being like the next day, like, can you please, like, what do you put in your guacamole to make it so amazing? I'm glad you asked. Yeah, I didn't I didn't grow up with guacamole in my house either, which is why when I saw it at a restaurant, I was like, what on what is that? That looks gross. And I started making it as an adult and it I think I went through a couple different iterations where it was like, okay, obviously avocados are always an ingredient and I think the ripeness is really key, at least from my perspective. Lime juice also important and the ratio of lime juice to avocado, I think you have to balance out. I would do sea salt or kosher salt, either like kind of sprinkle a little bit and taste it, sprinkle a little bit more. I used to use red onion and I got away from that. And now I use shallot. And I found that if you take just like do a couple slices of shallot and mince it up really fine and stir it in, it it gives you that sharpness of the like oniony flavor, but it's not as... I don't know. It's sad. This is the whole getting older piece, but I feel like red onion, I love the taste of it, but it's likely to give me like kind of reflux a little bit. So I don't eat it raw so much. Um, But now those are the only four ingredients I'll use. It's avocado, lime juice, shallot, and sea salt. I've done tomatoes sometimes and that's okay. But I, I, I think part of it is I used to buy more things to put in my guac and inevitably it would like go bad in the fridge before I could use it all. Cilantro is part of that. I'd buy a bunch. I'd use a little bit of it. And then the whole bunch would go bad, like the rest of it. And I was like, I I don't really need cilantro. Yeah. So that's, I narrowed it down to four ingredients and yeah. Seems like yours is a pretty minimalist recipe, which would be probably closer to what you found to be the like original guacamole recipe. Yes. It sounds like it. So again, this is, thanks internet. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Internet, for teaching me about guacamole, because I was curious, because when Lauren and I were talking about doing this episode at first, I was, and like, I think, Lauren, you said something about, oh, and guac wasn't even around until we were in our 20s. I was like, I feel like it was, and we just weren't exposed to it. And I was right. like, you know, I remember exactly. seeing it at the restaurant. 
So I did a quick, very quick search before we started talking tonight. And what I found is this, it says the Aztecs first made guacamole prior to the 16th century. Early guacamole was made purely of avocado. The modern name derives from the, I'm going to pronounce this badly, Nahuati word, ahuacamole, which literally translates to avocado sauce. So it sounds like the original, original guacamole was just mashed up avocados. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and yeah, so I, I've, I'm like down to four ingredients, not just one, but, and it's the balance, you got to get the balance right too. And like right. take a fork, I use a fork and just really like I'll put in the avocados first, then I do the lime juice and use that to kind of stir it together and get it softened up. Then I mince the shallots, mix that through and then do the salt again, kind of taste, add a little more if I think it needs it. And that's it. And I did that earlier tonight and ate it for dinner with chips. <laughs> Which there, there ain't nothing wrong with no having shame. guacamole for dinner. Absolutely not. I've, I've eaten... I've eaten guacamole and chips before as just like, a, oh, I'm just going to have a little bit before dinner. And then I eat so much of it. And then I'm like, well, now I'm not hungry for dinner because I ate all this guacamole. So I don't think you're alone in that experience. When it comes to making guacamole, you have the potential to put a lot of, well, I have the potentials, but I should say to put a lot of stuff in it. And it's because I had this one experience. I went to Austin, Texas to visit my friend Kate, who we talked to last episode, and she took me to a restaurant and they do table side guacamole. And this guy like comes over with this cart and he's got like all these little, you know, like pre-prepared like food things and like little custard cups and stuff. And he was like, what do you want in your guacamole? And so you literally just like pick all these different add-ins that you want in your guacamole. And we had him make this guacamole and there was a lot of stuff in it. And I don't know, some of these that some of these add-ins could be kind of controversial, but I have to be honest with you, it was like it was very life-changing guacamole. And I immediately came back to Pennsylvania and was like, the next time I make guacamole, I'm gonna try to recreate this, you know, this this guacamole that we had. And it was very chunky, but it had it had, you know, the usual, you know, avocado, tomato, red onion garlic and then we had him put like cotilla cheese in it oh so which is like that really dry crumbly mexican cheese i i'd say it's similar to a feta cheese but it's not it's a little bit different it's drier it's not as wet as feta and i don't think it's as salty or as like it's a little bit more mild than feta i would agree with that but it's delicious and it's actually kind of hard to find around here. The only store around us that sells it is Wegmans. I can't find it at the other, the usual suspects. And then he also put in like roasted sunflower seeds. Oh, yes. that sounds good. It was really good. So I came back to Pennsylvania and then I started like trying to recreate this and get all like the measurements right. And then I started making it at school as like a, like a demo for my students and the the kids when i got to the part where since i always like i couldn't always find cotilla cheese sometimes i would put feta in there and a lot of the kids would be like whoa 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 like stop what are you doing like they got really nervous they were like why are you putting all these things in this guacamole and i was like please just trust me and then they were like pretty happy that they did trusted me like did trust me because it tasted really good and it ended up being like a hit but 
I mean, do you feel like sometimes these guacamoles that have all these additional ingredients in it are sometimes like can turn some like guacamole purists off? Probably. I like, because what you just described sounds delicious and it doesn't sound like you've gone too far. Stop, <laughs> stop putting things in the guacamole. But you hear about people putting things in guac like, I'm trying to think of a good example because I feel like even certain fruits can be good in guacamole. Um, like, I'm, I'm thinking mango for some reason might be kind of tasty, like chopped up real small, mixed in. Hmm. Um, but I feel like I have seen bacon in guacamole and I'm like, yeah, obviously people like those foods, but that feels like too much. Yeah. I don't know. Does bacon have to go like, I like bacon. Does it, have, does it have to go, to go in everywhere? Everything? Yeah. yeah. I, I would argue it does not. Um, you here, know, it's, see. it's like Lars Ulrich in all those music documentaries. Like he's, he's always showing up and you're like, wait, why is this guy in the doors documentary? Not you, you again. Know? I know. Like, why is he here? Gentlemen, you've been quiet. What are your thoughts? Like, what's your well, favorite? I have, a, I have a quite, I have a few um, different ingredients. You already said bacon and you said, yeah. bacon. like, why? How do you guys feel about it says here that people use pomegranate seeds in their guacamole? Hmm. I mean, like Lauren just talked about roasted sunflower seeds, so I guess it's a crunchy texture. But as much as I like pomegranate seeds, I feel like I don't know. You're running the risk of like cracking a tooth. <laughs> Those you are have really hard with your guac. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would be excited about that. All right. How about red pepper? Like red bell pepper or red pepper red flakes? Pepper. I think I think it's I think it's red pepper, probably bell pepper. I'd do it. I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. I would no. do roasted red pepper possibly in like a small <laughs> amount. That might be I, good. Yeah. And the last thing here it says not that uh, parsley. Parsley like instead of cilantro. I don't know. I was like, this just says that this has a couple things that should never be on the guacamole. Ah, uh, who who's uh whose list is that? <laughs> There's the Huff Post. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, I thought you're gonna. I thought you're gonna say it was dorks with sporks. Those guys. There is there. I mean, we don't know what they put in their guac. Um, but I so the. Mexican restaurant the closest to me in Manionk, I saw the their their one of their like loaded guacs has bacon and corn and I think mm -hmm. cotilla cheese and I forget what else. But they also have a seafood guac where they oh. put like shrimp and stuff in it. And I'm like, Ooh. why like make that ceviche? Keep their ceviche over here and the guac over here. And if people want to eat them both, fine, but don't be it's like that time we got that chocolate cheddar cheese from Trader Joe's. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be so good. It was very disappointing. Mm -hmm. it, it's yeah. like two things we love didn't work together. No, that was such a bummer. Such a, such, such a missed opportunity, but. Agreed. I'm not surprised your life-changing guacamole was in Austin, Texas. Which yeah. Is like, they have so much. There's like Tex-Mex on every corner. And tacos but, everywhere. And they're so good. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, when I go to see her, she's always like, can we not do Tex-Mex? Because I think she, living there, she's like kind of, and she's also a vegetarian. Well, she's a pescatarian. So she's also kind of like at the point where like, 
I guess there's only so many like non-meat or like meat substitute tacos you can eat. I don't know. I, I mean, I've ordered cauliflower tacos like once a week from the Mexican restaurant near me. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's like pizza. I can't get tired of Mexican food or guacamole. I do. I do also love Mexican food. So one of the ingredients that is in guacamole that sometimes can cause a rift between the eaters uh we've both found is guacamole no wait let me no obviously i hate it when people put guacamole in my guacamole i need it very polarizing we'll be right back on dorks with forks yeah do 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 yo that sounds fire i hate when they put guacamole in guacamole it's the worst real quick so the other day well first of all giggle fits are the best um and you don't i like once again like halloween parties as you get older you just the giggle fits just seem to like just happen less and less and less that happens all all the time to me and in like in school and stuff like i'll be next to my friend and he'll do something hilarious and they'll be doing attendance and like i'll be sitting there crying laughing and i'll just be like here and like yeah tell that i'm like i've been laughing for like 30 minutes and i feel like that's when it's the worst when you're not supposed to have them and then yeah. it makes it worse it's when you yeah. get yeah you're somewhere it's like this is inappropriate i shouldn't be laughing right now and you just that makes it worse and then you start like <laughs> giggling more and you try to suppress it and it makes it worse it's, it's bad yeah. no there was one time where i was like i was at a wedding and it, it was like really quiet and i didn't i don't know what i was i was like 19 or 20 years old and i didn't know this one word and i looked over at my friend and i was like what are noopitals <laughs> <laughs> and she goes they're nuptials and like whispering it and then i was just like ah and i just like and then it just got like my laughing became so uncontrollable that like and it was like Did you have to leave the church <laughs> i should have i i probably looking back on it i probably should have because that was like a catholic mass and everyone was looking at me and i could not control it so cilantro in guacamole can be something that turns people off i know when i'm making it in class and and some students see me whip out or if really if we make anything that has cilantro in it some kids are like whoa 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 i don't know can we not put that in there or can like we make a version without that because to them it tastes and smells like soap which Why? is which well it's actually it's a genetic thing so it's like a physiological condition we'll call it it's an affliction right <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that um this group of people um they have a, a group of olfactory receptor genes called or6a2 totally memorized that by the way and i'm definitely not reading it off my phone um that it makes they can pick up on the smell of aldehyde chemicals and apparently cilantro translates into something that smells like that so it's not just that they don't like cilantro. It's just that they are physically like repulsed by it, or at least the thought of eating it because scientifically it's in ge their genetics that it, 
it smells and tastes like like a soap or like a chemical. I did not know the science behind it until you shared that, but I cilantro is very polarizing, it seems. Like people I, I guess it's funny because I wouldn't say I love it, but I don't have the soap gene. Like I don't I it doesn't smell or taste like soap. I'm fine with it. I'm fine without it. Um but yeah, people people get people have opinions about cilantro. Like yeah. you said, it can be the deal breaker. Jack, do you like cilantro? It's all right. Not my it's, you know, it's cilantro. I try to grow cilantro every year and inevitably kill it only after about two weeks. And then I got frustrated one year and obviously should have done it years ago. I'm just Googled like, why does my cilantro keep dying? And I think it's really that the harvest it's just not a plant like rosemary that's going to sit in your garden and just like produce herbs. Like it really has like, it grows and then it, you know, it makes its leaves and then you have like a short period. It's like it has a short harvest period, I think is what they said. I tried to grow it. God, it was probably like a decade ago now. And same kind of a thing, like had a rosemary bush in the garden that lasted forever and got ginormous and basil is pretty easy and straightforward you just pinch the flowers off and the leaves keep producing but cilantro it got like leggy and like dried out and it just it just died really fast and it was like well this isn't as useful as i thought it would be um, yeah. but again like i said when even when you buy a bunch and i know it's super cheap but i hate wasting food so mm -hmm. even to buy that like big bunch it's like it's less than a dollar but then i only use a little bit of it and the rest just gets all you know wilty and gross and then you have to throw it out i was like well let's that's why i stopped using it not because i hated cilantro just didn't want to yeah. waste it my uh our family's personal grocery shopper gets super annoyed uh when that happens um <laughs> it's yeah it's hard. I mean, sometimes you just have to work with the personal shopper and say, like, listen, your job is just to get the groceries on the list, mm -hmm. not to have an opinion about them. Right. Just go back to wearing smoky meat shirts um, and <laughs> stay out of our business, our cilantro business. Carly, I have a really important question because I really struggle with this. How do you keep your guacamole from turning brown? <sighs> yeah, it is I think the lime juice helps a little bit, I but it doesn't completely solve the problem. Probably the best way I keep my guacamole from turning brown is to eat it in like one to two days. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it's the, the best solution, but I, I was reading a little bit about that too, where it's like, try putting plastic wrap super close to it and try this and try that. I don't think anything really, really works. I do have a, um, I have a little, like a glass Pyrex bowl that comes with a lid that fits on it. And it's, it's like this, it's one of four. I use the smallest one for guac. I try to make like one to two servings at a time um, and not like make a giant batch when it's just me, unless I'm really, really wanting to eat it all. So that's probably my biggest solution is, uh, eat it before it turns brown. Have you found any ways, Lauren, to keep it from turning brown? Eating all of the guacamole definitely helps because then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, I have heard some rumors, like if you take the, the pit, save the pit, and then you keep, you store the guacamole with the pit inside. Oh. So I've also, I was watching a, um, an episode of the new Queer Eye reboot 
and in one of the episodes they go to this family and there's this um this woman who is living in america but she's like a you know somebody's grandmother who lives in the house and she's like from mexico and her tip was to add sour cream to the guacamole Anthony is a huge fan of dairy and the guac. And he said, I know, I know that's controversial, but it looked amazing. He said it was delicious. I, I trust Anthony. Mm-hmm. So have you yeah. tried that yet? I have. And I thought it was delicious, but I wasn't sure if it was just because I also love sour cream and I knew it was going to be one. Uh, honestly, I can't, I think we definitely ate it all. So I can't remember if it added any longevity to the guacamole or not. I feel like you almost, and it's hard because it's guac and everyone, everyone talking about this right now loves guacamole. How do you, like, could you do a science experiment where you set a small amount aside and had that be your test batch Mm -hmm. while you then proceed to eat the rest of it? I would have a hard time following through with this experiment, but I would try in the name of science. Yeah. You know, I'm willing to take this on as a foods teacher. I feel like it is my duty and my responsibility to, to do this. I'm excited for the future of guacamole. <laughs> Sorry. In my belly. <laughs> um, my future guacamole's demise as I eat it all. Um, yeah. I think we covered a lot of gmail.com uh good night i'll be here all week